Hello everybody. Welcome to Revolutionary Lumper Radio. In this episode we're going to be joined by Politstrom USA. Politstrom is an independent communist information resource which covers events from a Marxist-Leninist point of view. I'll just give you a bit of a backstory. So obviously we've got our subreddit late stage imperialism and Politstrom, you know, from their sub across posting, you know, regularly to our sub, it started to get a little bit spammy. I was getting to the point where it was like, okay, so no people aren't going to be joining our sub because it just looks like we're getting spammed because there isn't a whole lot of used activity. So there wasn't a lot of new, fresh posts, so I had to start deleting Politstrom's posts as spam to clear up so that we could have more more viewers and more members grow on the sub. And then I also messaged Politstrom saying, OK, look, comrades, I know that you're doing great work there, don't want to delete it, but I'm going to have to ask you to just post once a week. So in the long run, more people are going to view your subreddit and, and your work. Um, I'm just trying to build the sub up first. But uh, what I'll also do is I'll also get you on a podcast so we can platform you there. You can talk about your project, Politrum, further and hopefully, you know, get more followers that way. So here we are. Also, it's worth saying because I've spent the time to do it. We do have a shop if you want to support us beyond patreon.com slash podcast. You can always get some cool gear to look suave as anything at your next protest. But, you know, if you're asking to like everybody is and you can't help out financially, you know, retweets, shares, follows, likes, all of that, use activity helps, you know, give us that algorithmic love. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Some people are just too dumb to understand it. I mean, that's complete nonsense, right? It can be taught to anyone. Uh, it is intuitive to some degree, and it's not like an intelligence thing. And, you know, we had some black cards, one of them, which said the pretty factual point that Zionism is racism. You know, it's not just a moral stand, it's the political stand. What you're talking about is the role that Israel plays securing the interests of US and British imperialism in the Middle East. And I would be talking about Iraq or Afghanistan or something today where I am. And I like understand these conflicts that have literally been going on since I was born. It's just like horrifying. It's not it's not British culture, it's just the world's culture. They love stories. They love this idea that there is this nation that looks like this. I think it's a Yeah, it's pronounced college storm. College storm. Sick. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're going to be talking a bit about that, the themes that's on the website, the themes in general. I've found it from like being a propaganda platform on my subreddit. Uh, it's actually another another buddy of mine who works on the Reddit posting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, more than happy to bring you on talk on a different platform. So we'll get into it. Can we just start off with yourself? We always have an introduction with people on the show, get to know them a little bit, like your background, your you know, how you started off getting politically educated, or what your interests are, where, where you want to be, you know, any organizations you work with, and anything like that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, like I said, my name is Kevin. I've been working specifically with Polystorm for almost three years now. So we've, even though we ha- we've been sort of a smaller sort of project, we've existed for several years. Just to give people a little bit of background about Polystorm, it, it was produced mostly on the Russian language side. It, it's actually, it means political assault when directly translated into English. 
So college store means. But um, yeah, I live in the United States. I went to college, studied economics, got exposed to Marxian economics at university. So really wanted to understand capitalism. And once you get the Marxian understanding of that, it leads to, you know, understandings of exploitation and imperialism and so on. So, you know, I've thought it was important to create a platform to educate people on these topics, you know, especially in the United States, there's a real, real Darth or not a great understanding of these topics. And there's definitely a lot of propaganda from the capitalist side that goes, you know, unless there's platforms and, and projects of people debunking these capitalist lies about various topics, then it's just going to keep perpetuating. So yeah, I've been working with Polish Storm. We basically produce news, video content, graphical quotes is something we also do quite a bit of. I was just wondering if you could just go into a little bit of what Marxian economics is. I've never heard of that in my life. Could you go into Marxian economics and, and again, just what more specifically made you more compelled to do this and raise awareness about the economic system that, that is capitalism and, and like there's a load of Lenin quotes on a, on a lot of like propaganda posters out there that what why is that why is that important to you do you think why do you spend three years doing it yeah so just to touch on the economics piece of it. Um, I actually studied economics in university, but what you'll get is mostly bourgeois economics. And, and what I mean by that is really just focusing on price relations, not really focused on the whole economic relations of production, like what makes a capitalist different from a worker. It really when you study economics in, in modern schools, they, they obscure class relations. And I think that's the main goal is to uh, confuse and obscure more than just to elucidate and, and teach people about mm, sort of the actual functioning of the economy. It's just very, very, very abstract. Mm. You know, they just look at production like, oh, you th there's labor, that's one contribution. There's landlords and they contribute land and there's capitalists and they contribute capital. You throw it into this production function, you get output. You know, they don't really look too much into, you know, what's physically going on. Like capitalists hire laborers. Laborers work for a certain amount of time producing value. You know, it, Marxian economics, rather, it's not not abstract to the level where it's just absurd, you know. It gets really down to the historical development of the capitalist system over time. It's really, in my view, it's, it's the more accurate and more, more scientifically developed economics as opposed to what you learn in, in school, which is more just like a, a religion more than an actual understanding of how capitalism works, you know, because if you're, if we live in a capitalist society and schools are perpetuating views, they're not going to want to perpetuate that capitalism's an exploitative system, you know, that workers all over the world are exploited. And, you know, that's a very unpleasant message if you come from the standpoint of the dominant class in society, which is capitalists. So, yeah, so to segue that into why we spend so much time producing these Lenin quotes and circulating them, of course, it's not just Lenin quotes, it's other you know, important historical socialists. We think that there's a great educational opportunity, and you know, especially where I come from in the United States, a lot of people just don't know these figures and what they actually believed and what they said. 
So we do think it's – we put a lot of time into producing modern quotes that we hope resonate with people. And you know, we think a lot of people like them, so we just keep on doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just when I've been browsing Reddit, I've seen them everywhere. More than I thought I would, honestly. They just they they um, do seem to be pretty viral, honestly. Going back to what we said on like economics, um, these people essentially play the role of the intellectual, right? The Gramscian, Gramscian um, intellectual within society. You know, they sort of are their whole purpose or place within society is to sort of be the intellectual and to rationalize or naturalize systems that are, you know, a result of a specific political or, uh, you know, economic framework, essentially. They're there to sort of pacify people and teach it and pass it off as not being actually as bad as it was. I actually think I did a video on this. It was called something like economics is just astrology for capitalists or something. Yeah, that's a good one. Why do you think that it's important to have, for example, Lenin and other historical figures along with the text? Do you similarly have the likes of Bernie Sanders and other politicians on your text? If not, why not? So with, it's funny you say that. Specifically with Bernie Sanders, we have made one quote, but it was more about the opportunism of social Democrats. Um, but we're not really using quotes of Sanders, even though I know maybe that'll have a wide appeal to, you know, he's pretty popular in the United States. It's, we mostly stick to Lenin, Stalin, Dimitrov. Yeah. Socialists, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, yeah, social Democrats, which, yeah. Wow. So... <laughs> You know, I've obviously not seen all of the art that you've done, which you have labeled agitation and we'll talk a little bit about, but I just kind of knew from what I'd seen that you weren't likely to have general politicians, you know, people in, sitting in Congress making a living, that life getting every single meal, five meals a day served on a silver platter to them you know, living the dream, you're not going to have those on because what I'd seen was principled, what you've said, socialists. That's really what the question was. And why do you think it's important to have a Marxist-Leninist line? Why do you think that is? Just to go into that a little bit in more depth. Oh yeah, specifically, we, we've pushed hard on the popularization of Marxist-Leninist ideas because we think it's an effective tool. We think it you know, if we can teach people to understand Marxism and Leninism, it can give people an understanding with which to understand the world and with which they can change it. And at the same time, we think it's a very, very important to use and develop Marxism to the contemporary realities of, you know, of, of the modern world. Because going back to our platform and, and what we believe, um, we think the only class that can change the exploitative capitalist system is the proletariat. And what we aim to do is develop Marxism and Leninism so that we can actually achieve socialism, not just as some theoretical, utopian, idealistic goal, but it's really what we want to do. And we think that Marxism Leninism is the best theory with which we can achieve that. Do you think conditions in the global north, I suppose, do you think conditions in those countries are more or less conducive to that type of a of a revolution? Because there's always this conversation about, you know, whether the quote-unquote first world proletariat are 
there are internationalism and all sorts of so what do you think about sort of the the state or the condition of the proletariat in the quote-unquote first world yeah i guess it comes down to the i guess the popular phrase is do they have any revolutionary potential is there any ability for people in the capitalist center to be able to uh you know achieve socialism like as was done in the soviet union um we do, or at least I do. I, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I do think that there's some potential, but at the same time, there's a lot of work that we need to do in terms of educating people. And I definitely don't think at this current time there's a developed enough political education, at least in the United States. And that's really why we do what we do. You know, It's something I have a huge passion towards doing and I've, I've been working at it for a long time, you know, as have other people in Polish Storm. To make this content, we're not pessimistic in the sense that we don't think that there can ever be a revolution in any of the capitalist north or, you know, capitalist core countries, whatever you want to call them. But at the same time, we're not idealistic to the sense that we think there'll be a revolution, you know, tomorrow. We know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get to that point. Sure. I mean, I'm forever trying to think of like each of the conditions that would have to be satisfied in order for a revolution, right? And I can never, it always seems like no matter how many you can think of or how many are satisfied, there will always be more required. So it seems like, yeah. One thing we touch on on our platform is the labor aristocracy and how there is, you know, not only the capitalist class, but there's some degree of opportunism within the labor movement, both historically and currently, that would need to be addressed, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's something we'll talk about more in future videos, but it, it, I do think that there's a huge opportunism that needs to be addressed. And that also goes back to, you know, yet another reason why we maintain a Marxist Leninist line. That's another thing I constantly think, and I guess. It could easily be worry about if this was the case, right? So I always come back to the fact that Marxism, generally speaking, has never had to deal with technology in the way that we see it today, really. Even if you go through Lenin's time, you go through Stalin, you go through Mao, you go through Ho Chi Minh, like really outside of the past sort of 20 years, you know, the the global surveillance state, technology, everything has changed and advanced so much that I think Marxism hasn't yet grappled with agitating or organizing or mobilizing under this sort of surveillance capitalism, I suppose. It hasn't. And I think that there is that distinction when it comes down to technological progress and what we can achieve in means of communication and sharing our conscious thoughts with, with other people, such as like, you know, socialism, and we call it the marxist Leninist land, but all we need is we just need this idea to pe- of people to get behind and say, yeah, they've got the right ideals, nothing crazy is going to happen here. They've obviously been studying it a while and contributing to it. But I think there's also always been that distinction between what, what's possible, what we can actually get our hands on to fight the state. Like, I mean, realistically, like back in feudalistic days, it was, you know, somewhat possible to get a, a hold of, of like armor. And then like chase like feudal lords off and and like do all of that and you're pretty much like indestructible with like the good like good armor on but all it takes is people to actually go out and do these things and like i just think of like building realities and building futures like we're planning for something that's 
always unplannable. So that's a one thing. All we have to do is know that every single day we, we've made, we've got closer to being more capable to becoming the, the most capable that we can for a revolution at any point. I just like, again, I, I wanted to pop off like now. Do you know what I'm saying? So I've, I've always like, if I don't want that because I'm not ready, then like, what am I doing? Like, how can you be a revolutionary? So at the same time, I always think we can all literally dead easy just, just comrades out there with like 50,000, 60,000, like 20,000 followers all on Twitter. All of these do have to do is literally group message each other, say, okay, we're all going to put out a post to pin it like retweet each other's posts to get one tweet going where it's all hashtags to, to do one thing and raise a cause for one thing and then mobilize each other to, to learn just this one educational text and do that every single week and automatically is literally gonna have hundreds of thousands of like uh, impressions and, and like you know all of them statistics all around it because loads of people have interacted with it because they've all got like tens of thousands of followers between them hundreds of thousands and it's literally not that hard for people yeah, to just but... message each other and do that do you know what i'm saying and that's just doing shit on twitter and it's the same thing where this is why people are getting pissed off on like on bread tubers because they're like they're putting up a smoke screen in a space where then they haven't got the right like ideological like framework they're not like historical materialists like mls do you know what i'm saying so it makes it harder to organize in a place when the popularization of what's necessary to to get popular is like monopolized by like reactionary socialists you know la label themselves like socialists anyway like i'm just letting it all loose now because i've thought about it loads of time but we've always got this potential for everybody to to do what it is but at the same time all of these people with all of these followers are dependent on patreon to make their incomes and to like make ends meet and that's like the livelihood that to have all these followers and that's important that you have that support from people to become re professional revolutionaries that you can do it for time i mean anybody who's principled should be doing it full time we should all support each other with like monetary means they just don't want to look daft saying let's all retweet this hashtag because then they they might just look like divvies and lose like followers and lose like patreon funds and then they've got less money and all that just do you know what i'm saying so there's all they're always balancing but but that's another thing about like, using like capitalist systems you've always balanced certain do you know what i'm saying has anybody got anything to say on that yeah i definitely get where you're coming from and, and even you know not just dealing with the opportunism of either particular op you know, individuals or groups we've also had the problem of just getting banned off of platforms altogether because either someone reports us they don't like what we type of message we're putting out so i think that's another issue as well is that we're using facebook and twitter and all these platforms that also you can just get banned off of immediately yeah true yeah well this is because you know technology is now an institution within society which means it has a class component right i mean so long as technology is used to control track surveil and advertise to us it will forever be hand in the hands of the bourgeoisie and it will forever be used to maintain their ends against us right like nothing in society is class neutral technology is yet another institution that they wield against us and you know this is why i don't think ultimately technology is going to be the answer and this is why i don't really think marxism has come to grips with technology either using it or knowing 
how to use it correctly or you know in in some instances it's just basic privacy or you know protections while using it you know but the ultimate irony here is of course that the bourgeois are the greatest leninists right they've controlled the state and they're now using the media and all machinations they can get their hands on as well as the creation of think tanks and such to create their own you know intellectuals in the gramscian term and um you know that's now the hegemony that we live under because of it very good points and to counter that hegemony always talking about counter and cultural hegemony and we'll go back on to politstrom when it comes to agitation so this propaganda that Facebook and other platforms have, have banned you off and, and I'm actually banned off Reddit myself because they don't like what I'm putting out but it's a brutal world and it's so frustrating to just see so much like brutalization out there on the internet and there's all kinds of, of sick like madness but yet you can't stick up for like some of the most oppressed people in, in the world or like even just reiterate quotes from revolutionaries who've fought against that and kicked it out of their own land. So what is agitation to you? Why do you think it's important? How do you think that we can take this agitation further on the internet? Are you planning on reaching other platforms? What other support can people give you? Oh yeah, um, so agitation addresses a lot of the, the methods that we've discussed this far. Uh, I think one of our newest avenues that we've had some success in agitating people is using video content because you know, I do voiceovers in the English language for a lot of videos that are either produced in Russian or, you know, we make original content as well. But we've been making videos just basically, you know, what it from what is Marxism down the road, we're going to put out new videos and we agitate a lot of people because a lot of people just don't like what we have to say and and we're very open to criticism but at the same time we do face a lot of reactionary comments and uh it comes from all angles you know from religious folks or just uh not marxism Lenin, you know not marxist leninists who just criticize our platform and our views but we just put out an article uh not too long ago called, we had one that was called why do we criticize and then another one uh, on left and right deviations within marxism both i'd say the right and left deviations within marxism had quite a lot of reaction but we challenge a lot, not just capitalist hegemony even within the marxist movement itself i think there's a lot of space for criticism not just for the sake of just knocking people down you know that's obviously not what we're trying to do but i think that criticism plays an important role because we need to develop a proper theory so that we can develop practice that's actually effective and we think that a lot of ideas you know and you're open anyone who's listening can read that article on our website us.polishstorm.com but we we do agitate with the goal of both teaching people and also criticizing but like i said not from the place of just criticizing for the sake of it but from an honest perspective we want to see marxism leninism develop and i don't think we can get there if on the russian side they use the term like wide left 
you know, if we just have a bunch of different theories, we can all work together and get where we're going to need to go, which we're critical of. You know, we think that we need to have a proper line, proper theory to get practice that's actually effective when we implement it in the real world. When that comes and what does that look like? We're not at a point where we're as developed on the English speaking platform as they're on the Russian side, but they've developed clubs and Marxist in major cities within Russia where they can educate people uh, who look to join it. And also they've worked with unions and actually given unions a Marxist-Leninist basis that they can challenge their employer, you know, fight to win tangible gains. That's interesting. Do you know anything about what it's like in Russia? It obviously once was the Soviet Union, but I've always wondered what the hell is it like just a normal, regular, run-of-the-mill capitalist economy? Has it got some traits the Soviet Union left? What's the script? Yeah, personally, I've never, I've never been to Russia. I've been to Ukraine, which borders Russia, and I've, you know, I've lived there for a little bit, but never been to Russia in actuality. From the people I've talked to, they have a lot of the same problems that, you know, have in the United States and England or, you know, the major capitalist countries, you know. Deindustrialization is a huge problem, you know, after the Soviet Union collapsed. It's not as profitable for capital to flow into Russia as it is maybe China or, um, you know, other countries where capitalists can just get a huge rate of profit. So they have... You know, similar problems that we have here where deindustrialization has run its course with all the, you know, negative social effects that that brings. But in terms of, you know, what it's like to live in Russia, I've, I can't say I've never been there. I've talked to people in Polish Storm, but, you know, I really, it might be interesting to come on with someone from the actual Russian segment at a later date, if, if that's something you guys are open to. Yeah, that would cool. be really interesting. Cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would even claim that there were any, you know, sort of actual remnants of the USSR alive today, other than, you know, um, other than cosmetic or, you know, window dressing, essentially. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, anyone who, you know, read through history in that part knows what happened to the USSR. It, you know, it's um, destruction and and what happened subsequently, right? I mean, if you look at all the graphs and charts after the fall of the USSR and you know, poverty skyrockets and literacy rates go down and everything. So, I mean, there's, it didn't just sort of randomly die, right? Like it was actively killed by, you know, imperialist forces. So, yeah, I mean, their, their job was to kill it so that what was alive then would not live into the future. And, you know, that's what happened. So, yeah, it's definitely nothing as it was today, deliberately so. Really interesting website, this Polish Storm. You've got articles on history, Marxist theory, politics. It's got everything from recent to historical uh, events. Like, um, there's, there's a lot of good work there. I really love the artwork and um, just the general theme of it all. It's awesome. People should definitely go and build on this over here. I can see why it's picking up and I think that's definitely important, especially when we're talking about building like a countercultural hegemony. There's nothing opportunist about Polystorm. It's people getting literally facts, historical, you know, events out to people, quotes that you can relate to contemporary times. And that's obviously well researched from a comrade who's um, published it. I love it all. 
Oh, thank you very much. For sure. I mean, I think that should definitely be the goal of anyone who's willing and able, right? I mean, the production of agitprop is not only is it important just sort of from the propagandistic element, but, you know, it also gets you thinking about things and it's creativity, it's art, it's, you know, all of those important things um, also. Mm. But anyone who can or wants to definitely should participate in any way possible, honestly. Yeah, and especially support people like you say who are doing good stuff. And I wanted to elaborate what I said about all the comrades out there with like, you know, 30 to 100,000 followers. You can literally all do a tweet and look, I want to see Beto O'Shea from Rev Left Radio on the Joe Rogan podcast. At very least, it, like, if that can't happen at very minimal, you need to get him on Russell Brand's podcast on Under the Skin because he needs to talk to Russell Brand because Russell Brand needs to wrap his head around Marxist Leninism. He hasn't got a clue. He's, he's half onto Marxism, but I think he just needs, like, the right push from from a principal comrade to get to wrap his head around this and literally look come on we, we all live in a world where like I, I live here russell brand lives here you know the queen and that they're all alive we all live in the same world like we can literally make this possible and add your pop and information and technology is how we make this happen so but look we need to get rev left on under the skin yeah support and principal comrades definitely important support and everybody like that who can speak for us on larger platforms we don't want to preach to the choir we have to keep building a movement to get higher and higher onto bigger platforms to get more listeners to and they need to have the education again listen to red menace podcast just for one example if you're not really that into reading otherwise marxist.org so we've got to support each other people comrades out there with your amazon primes and your netflixes yeah i'm coming at you do people have those i don't have any of those oh no because you're you're mr hacker man Dude, I made my own Plex. I've got my own Netflix. I don't like, I don't even bother. I don't yeah, have Plex. I don't have um, Amazon Prime or Netflix or any of those. Okay, bad, well, bad person, bad. Well, you've got an excuse to not support the podcast then. Do but, every, <laughs> but everybody else there with, with your Netflixes and your Amazon Primes and you're not out there supporting comrades, at least your local revolutionary organizations. You know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking about this logically, rationally. People want dollars in local revolutionary organization, support organizations. Try and think like local revolutionary organization, your favorite propaganda outlet for online, doing ML principle business, and then like your favorite podcast, which like I've got to ask it to be us, Revolutionary Lumpen Radio, or Rev Left, because they're doing good shit, or Red Menace. So yeah, I'm so, so, sorry about that, Kev. I tend to flip a monologue to myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, no problem. Um, yeah, any other questions you guys have about our project or just any work that we've done in the past? Or uh, No, we just um, want to see you getting to higher, higher heights. I want people to see this, share it, and tag us in, in the tweet. Let us know that you're sharing it. It's important to to support a comrade who is spending important time in a one and only life for for the struggle 
this agitation's importance and you're in one of the many cultural hegemony fields of battle just as we are on the podcast platform i'm glad that we have come together hope that this has built more cultural output in people's consciousness <laughs> so that they can see we're at least out here and again and just support us give us at least some feedback to say you know it's not wasted we recognize it just some thought for other people there I love asking this question because it's something that me and people always argue back and forward on. So when you take the United States, are they like a special kind of evil? So even when when you look at, you know, the West, quote unquote, generally, you can look, you know, from Europe, Asia, whatever, to the United States. When you talk about sort of the imperial core, is the United States a sort of special type of evil is it in some way fundamentally different than sort of europe or european nations because obviously they're both capitalists they're both imperialist right they're both within they're both imperial cores no doubt but for some reason i am convinced that the united states is not just sort of regular casual imperialism normal it's like some kind of special hyper insane system <laughs> what do you think <laughs> you gotta say that's a my man he lives there he lives there like he wakes up there he goes well, to sleep people. there and you're just not gonna put there. that on not him like you literally live in worse than hell what's that like <laughs> no 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 I'm not, I'm not talking about the average people there i'm Jeez. talking about the political system there right because let's face it your political system is special crazy <laughs> Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and I'll also say that it, we have a huge military, uh, you know, the U.S. plays a, a predominant role in, you know, suppressing world revolutionary movements historically and I think up to the current day. But then I get where the question is coming at is if people who live in other imperialist core countries like their capitalist class benefit in the same way that our domestic capitalist class you know benefits from that sort of activity mm-hmm. so yeah i do think that the u.s it plays a huge role because we have a huge military that is the the shock troop of the entire global system so i, I do think it plays a huge role but then i don't think that the benefits to the capitalist class is just domestic i think that okay. The British capitalist class or the Australian capitalist class or whomever, you know, they're all buying bonds as well that finance our huge military that goes into foreign countries, invades them. And it's. Yeah, definitely. It's just strange to me that, you know, again, like I said, all these other countries are awfully they're equally awful, probably, you know, from Europe, you know, England, where I am, Australia, whatever. These are all, you know, Im- imperial hegemons, no doubt. But I don't even know. I don't even know if I can pin it down or put it down on something. But America, especially, we've got so many imperial countries in the world, like I said, the whole of Europe. But for some reason, the United States just does everything like more obvious. So like every police force in the world serves capital. But for some reason, it's so much clearer when you look at the United States, right? Like all governments within the Imperial North uh, degrade and take out of the South and imperialism, etc. But if you look at the United States, for some reason, it's so much worse, right? Like, of all the nations that do this kind of thing, have capitalism and actually do imperialism internationally, the United States, for some reason, seems to be at the absolute forefront of everything 
disastrous. Like, all countries do disastrous things, but number one on the list of disastrous things occurring, you would just always find the United States. Yeah, you're on it though, man, because, like, even Donald Trump said... Uh, we're keeping the oil, we have the oil, the oil is secure. Uh, we left troops behind only for the oil. You know, they can so openly and blazingly say that they're keeping troops in Syria. You know, American people, the soldiers in Syria, literally just to protect the oil. Like, that's imperialism face on. And no matter who you are, even if you love the troops, that's all they're dying for. The oil in Syria, it's, you know, they're never going to get hands on it. It's purely just ruling class exploitation of, of, in a worse sense, imperialism. And I want to know if my characterization is correct, because it could just be, you know, a, a uh, an effect of sort of media dominance, right? Because the US media is dominant due to it being the dominant country. The US media is dominant. So any news you get from anywhere is always going to be the, about the United States, which makes you think, you know, you get more information from there and that could just make it appear more crazy. But I'm convinced it's more crazy. Yeah, it does have, even with, you know, within the United States, it's an extremely divided place. And it, the, it, I don't really want to touch too much. I can if you want me to. But I, even leaving aside the whole, you know, what's the role of the United States within the larger international picture? Like you said, the political situation is crazy. It has sort of a strangely unique political system that developed out of there was a slave society that existed, you know, the Confederacy, and it has an, you know, an extremely reactionary uh, historical development out of that. The election of the United States is decided by, you know, bourgeois elections are decided more by Ohio and these non-populous states than California or New York, which have huge populations. Right. So, the, you know, the reactionary elements within these states have an outsized sort of voice relative to their population. It's the electoral college. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just interesting hearing you talk about crazy, like the American people being crazy, the military being crazy. And it's like we're talking about people being actually crazy, like people... Uh walking around with nothing to do other than live as peasants in like a futuristic fucking utopia that Earth could have been. They've got nothing to do other than just serve like a, a class role. I'm Are people actually crazy or? No, I'm talking more about systems than people themselves, right? Because to be honest, I don't even put much agency or blame on any people individually. Like I said, like if you were born into a conservative house and they listened to Fox News all the time and all you ever heard your whole life was Tucker Carlson and your pastor from your conservative church, right? Like if that's your whole world, it's not exactly surprising to me that when that person is able to vote, they'll vote like conservative. That's the least surprising thing in the world to me, right? So I don't really blame people because obviously it's the material conditions that gave those people those thoughts and opinions, etc. But the systems themselves obviously also came from the material conditions, but they're a lot more mysterious. Like, you can't really... It's not maths, right? You can't just say, like, this material condition plus this material condition equals capitalism, right? Like, the way that history and all of these conditions play out are so much more intertwined and not deliberate and obscured in a lot of cases. So when I look at, you know, United States, which I'm convinced is a special kind of crazy, it must be because it has, you know, a special kind of crazy history, all the material conditions that have to be a special kind of crazy. 
I guess if you are just sort of a country that was founded from settler colonialism, I guess, broke off from the Europeans, then you arrive on that landmass and then you, you know, build a country based on stealing people from the African continent. And then you have to have an internal civil war about whether that's good or not. I guess if, yeah, I guess that all of those material conditions just ultimately result in this place is batshit crazy. One thing I'll say with the Civil War that, you know, the South had conditions, you know, that were very much suited towards maintaining that entire slave system, which is such a, you know, an extremely, I can't even find words to describe it, how horrible it is. I don't know if you guys have ever, if you ever come over to the United States, there's a lot of history if you're on that side of the continent where civil war history and just how other countries also had a, a, for example britain the you know the textiles industry the capitalist mm-hmm. industry and then mm, in britain was intertwined with the you know slave economy in the south of the united states mm-hmm. you know and, and you can explain why they supported the south over their competitor you know mm-hmm. the industrial north in the united states i don't think that we have written anything on the civil war but it's definitely something that is very interesting um and i hope to write something or produce something in the future on it have you guys ever had any podcasts on the on that historical subject we actually haven't but interestingly i was thinking the other day about what marx wrote on that i should probably go back and read that again on the the american civil Mm. war um i'm pretty sure he said it was something along the lines of you know the the elements there were the sort of capitalist class of the north ultimately won out you know it was the capital interests in the north that wanted the war with the south because they wanted to absorb all of the you know the capital and the resources and everything that was tied up in slavery and that's why you know they ended up winning because you know it was the the bourgeois north that you know wanted what the south had essentially but they always like to paint the picture of you know oh actually it was because we just really thought slavery was bad when obviously that's not that doesn't even enter into the equation for these people right yeah the, the u.s government it just couldn't reconcile the differences between the two classes competing class interests and you know john sum i think it was john sumner was a massachusetts senator who was just vocally opponent of slavery from the abolitionist perspective and he just got beat to near death by a southern i believe it was from south carolina you know and that will it just erupted into a civil war um irreconcilable class differences between one government that had to reconcile the differing class interests this is a lot of this is going to come down to like how you define slavery i suppose if you're well, talking like, about chattel slavery like as in like the actual system that the south of the united I, states was built and, on and, then yes and, and this is like that history and that tradition is is america's history that's literally their tradition and that is like their, by the way it's also background. ours in a way we just don't ever talk about that uh, right? but you forget that england was also you know one of the first industrial yeah, it's ours, but we've got a lot more because obviously we've existed for a lot longer and had a lot more culture. <laughs> like it's a well, yeah, but you know. also you know, capitalism was born here ultimately, and you know, we also at that time had a giant empire that spanned the world, right? So the yeah. idea that like we good, they bad is is just ridiculous. But yeah. And Boris Johnson recently, have you seen it? Where being outraged over kids being taught you know 
are in Payless past and it, they've recently changed it so that like we can't so that the kids can't be taught anything in the UK now that, that like yeah. show was written in a negative way historically and Boris Johnson said like we should be proud of our past and our traditional history and that and like I think it's sick that men voyaged on those wooden ships like and sailed the seas across the Atlantic and it took them years and that to go all around the world and they made it on these ships and all that obviously what they'd done was absolutely fucked up but it's like what a time to be alive if you're out a peasant and that's just like one of the fucking jobs you have to do and and like it's a, it's a mad crazy life like they don't have the luxuries that, that like we had now and it's a completely unimaginably like different different way and but for people to cling on to uh, like ideologies and strains of thought like that of even just allowing the, like any kind of brutality and, and exploitation or and, and um, terrorization of anybody is just insane and it's so primitive we're talking about primitive but yeah it, it does feel like sometimes when you are talking about these crazy people that you, you're like a genius sometimes when you're not even a genius you're just talking like a slither of what the reality in which we live in is under as like a social organism dotted all around the world that's trying to preserve itself as it knows how and that is we need each other it's that simple that was interesting. I didn't think they would talk about so much about so many different things there. As always, we just ask our guests to just leave where people can find them. Where can people find you? Leave us your website, you know, all your Twitter, all that information. Leave it with us. We'll leave in the show notes as well. But if you just want to say that now. Oh, yeah. If you go to our main site, which is us.polishstorm.com. Polishstorm spelled P-O-L-I-T-S-T-U-R-M. It's us.polishstorm.com. You'll find links to all of our social media platforms, our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We also have a Patreon, but the main place is our site. So I would suggest to go there if you want to get a good idea of our platform, as well as just find us on any of our social media uh, accounts as well. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up. I hope people join you in support as well as hopefully, you know, strive towards themselves to get to a point where they can take on information, be it from theory or from, you know, news or history and then be able to like write it up in an article, share it with you and then just get this consciousness out there so we can all educate each other better. Yes, yeah, stay principled as always. That's me, me, Shibby, Ryan, the Zen Marxist. Workers and Lumpen, unite. Us living as we do, upside down. And the new word to have is revolution. People don't even want to hear the preacher spill or spill. Because God's whole God has been thoroughly peaked. And America is now blood and tears instead of milk and honey. The youngsters who were programmed to continue fucking up woke up one night digging Paul Revere and Nat Turner as the good guys. America stripped for bed and we had not all yet closed our eyes. The signs of truth were tattooed across our orphan infant vagina. We learned to our amazement the untold tale of scandal. Two long centuries buried in a musty vault, hosed down daily with a gagging perfume. America was a bastard, the illegitimate daughter of the mother country, whose legs were then spread around the world, and a rapist known as freedom, free doom. Democracy, liberty, and justice were revolutionary code names that preceded the bubbling, 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 bubbling in the mother country's crotch. 
what does Webster say about soul? All I want is a good home and a wife and a children and some food to feed them every night. After all is said and done, build a new route to China if they'll have you. Who will survive in America? 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 Who will survive in America?